From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 456. Today's show is brought to you by ZocDoc, Ladder, and Factor. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. Where where am I? <laughs> You're at home. We're going to talk about that later on. Jason's had a busy okay. morning, but that's going to come mm. up in follow-up because right now... Yes. I have a Snell Talk question for you. It comes from Kevin, who wants to know, Jason, if you're working on a document of some kind that features formatting, do you apply the formatting as you go along, like bold text, underlined text, etc., or do you do everything afterwards? This is a weird... Apologies to Kevin, but I react to the idea that you write everything first and apply formatting later as almost like like an coming from an alien... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see how maybe if you're writing, uh, first off, I mean, my, most of the formatting I do is just uh, the occasional link or uh, bold or italic, and I just do that as I write. Um, headers, I do those as I write because I'm writing in Markdown. I can see how you might from time to time end up having to go back through a document and put some structure to it, and that uh, that might be a reason to format it after the mm-hmm. fact. But for the most part, to answer the question directly, for the most part, no. Um, I am cr- doing the formatting as part of my creation of documents and that it all just kind of comes out as yeah. whatever format it needs to be in. I knew the answer to this as I started writing, uh, entering this information, and I bolded Kevin's name in the Google Doc before I wrote it. You know, I pressed you know Command B and then wrote Kevin and then pasted the document in, like his question into our Google Doc. It's like, yeah, I know how I am. Like, I, I, this was one of those questions to me too, where I was like, I didn't think there was another way people did this. Like, I, I may go back once a document's done and add some stuff. But as I'm going through, if there's formatting I know I need, I'm going to add it. This makes me feel like Kevin is one of the former rather than the latter, you know? That Kevin applies all of the formatting uh, at the end. Yeah, and maybe maybe so. Maybe not. Maybe Kevin thought somebody else is a formatting alien and not mm. him. I don't know. I just, I, I find it again. I think there are probably workflows where it makes sense to do your work on the document yep. because there's complex formatting things to do afterward. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I never even consider that for the stuff that I do. If you would like to send in a question of your own to be featured, to help us open an episode of Upgrade in the future, you can send in your Snow Talk question by going to UpgradeFeedback.com or clicking the link in your show notes and you could submit your question there. Thank you to everybody that does. We have some follow-up, Jason follow-up. Snow, including yes. something new for the show. So we've been talking about this mostly on Upgrade Plus, maybe over the last month or so. Um, mm-hmm. If you wonder what that is, go to getupgradeplus.com. You can sign up and get additional content every single week. But we are experimenting with making short video clips of the show that yes. we're posting on various social media outlets. Uh, mm-hmm. Upgrade is not becoming a video podcast. Nope. Uh, in fact, we have cameras recording us right now, but we do not see each other. We don't have them turned on. They're just making local recordings so that the podcast remains an audio-only experience. You know, it doesn't feature me saying, hey, Jason, take a look at this, and none of you can see it, you know? Um, So we thought long and hard about this, and this is how we've been doing it and trying to test it out. So we don't want to change the experience for you. Uh, But what we were trying to do here is to see, it seems like this happens more and more these days, that people make clips out of their podcasts. Does it actually work in helping the show find new people? 
that's what we're trying to find out. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. It's fun right now. I think people who listen to the show uh, are having fun seeing the clips. I know yep. the podcasts I listen to that have started doing this. I think it's kind of fun to see the clips, but they don't release the whole episode. Yep. And maybe down the road it will help us find some new people, and that would be nice too. But uh, we're just, yeah, experimenting with it. This may be a best practice in doing podcast promotion, and we want to try it out in a way that doesn't actually impact the way we do the show. Mm-hmm. So unless there's a, I mean, it's possible we'll do like a summer of fun episode or something where we do a special something and there's yeah. a video of it, but, but that's not, we're not planning on like, this is not going to be a video podcast because we do not want that to be uh, what it is, but we'll pl- try to post short clips of things um, on social media, uh, tic tac, and Instagram. I almost said tic tacs. <laughs> just like we're, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to make breath mints. That's our pivot. <laughs> Give it to breath breath mints now. Upgrade be, your uh, breath. Upgrade, yes, upgradebrand.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Upgradebreath.com. I love it. No, we're not doing that. Uh, you can find, no. we're posting these to Instagram and TikTok. You may have been given away the fact that me and Jason don't understand how to use TikTok. I, it's just, look, I've been up a long time and it's still Monday morning. Friend of the show, an official video consultant, <laughs> Jeremy yes, Burge. Jeremy. Burge is, helping is us our with that. Yes, he is. He he. If for those who don't know, Jeremy Burge, founder of Emojipedia, uh, currently a gentleman of leisure, I believe. Uh, after selling Emojipedia, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that he has done is he is a TikTok star. Yep, about boats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about his boat in particular, his canal boat that he drives around or pilots. I don't know in the canals in England, and he has learned a lot about. Um, posting little video clips to the socials and he's uh, providing us advice and help and we thank him yep. for that. So I'm currently producing all the clips. Uh, in the long run, that will probably have to go to someone else. But for now, I'm trying to figure out what I want them to be like. Yep. And I I would like at some point to add to your um, list of things, Mike, note where you think there was a thing that happened that was fun that might be worth a clip. That's good. I could do that while I'm taking my editing notes. While you're taking I'll your notes, that, that would yep. that would help me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're just experimenting with it, and we're doing them as vertical videos because again, the 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 kids, the kids on the Tic Tacs on their breath mints. Well, t- this is one of those things where seriously, like to be to, for this to make any sense, it has to hit algorithms like that. Yep. Otherwise, there's no. There's, if we're doing this to try and help new people find the show. You got to be in the places where there's algorithms. Right now, we're trying Instagram and TikTok. Maybe we'll try YouTube in the future as well. But that's the. Point. I like how you said that too. The places where there are algorithms, we need to find the algorithms. Where are they? Well, get like, them, look, get but them we in can here. Post this to Mastodon, and that's fine. And like existing listeners will see them, right? But like that's. Yeah. I don't think that's going to help us gr- potentially grow the audience, find new people, right? Like by putting them on Mastodon. I've been posting them there as an experiment, and also because it's kind of fun. But yeah, I yeah. think the idea is what you want is to find people who who will be inclined to discover the show because the algorithm has sort of said this is this kind of content yep. you might be interested in and um and uh, get some new listeners just because I think it's fun and also because I, I think we're also doing this because we don't want to be the kind of people who look at a thing that seems to be a uh a new way of doing podcast stuff and be the people who are like no 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 surely that it is the children who are wrong, right? We don't want to be those people. I want to be open to this. This may end up being impractical for us. It may not have a, a real benefit and it may be too much overhead, but mm-hmm. I, 
I think we need to experiment with it and not um not just poo poo it. So we're yep. going to give it a try. Yep, and I appreciate you pushing without ruining the audio podcast by exactly. having that like, whoa, Mike, what's that? Look over there. Ah, oh, can you believe that thing? That- someone behind whoa. you. Yeah, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So we mentioned you've had a busy morning. Uh, mm. We're recording this at what's 10 a.m. for you, but you've already been on a plane today. Yeah, I, I got up at, I mean, the alarm was set for 4.45. I was up at 4.30. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we were visiting our kids. Our kids would go to college at the same college for this year only because my daughter's a senior and my son's a freshman. Um, and so we visited them, and it turns out that there are the flights back and forth between Eugene and the Bay Area are limited. And uh, the there seemed to be no Sunday night flight. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we decided we would just have the very early morning, uh, Monday morning flight. And so we, we, you know, got up and took a cab to the airport and then, you know, waited at the airport and got on the plane and, and had to get the parking shuttle to our car. And then I had to drive Lauren to her job <laughs> directly and drop her off and then come here and then just before we started, I made some tea and um, not my first tea of the day, but made some tea and uh, and made some uh, some uh, English muffin with peanut butter. So I would uh, have protein in my body and be co- more be as coherent as one might want on a podcast. Podcasters need protein. Everyone knows that. Yeah. I mean, every, sure. It's everybody needs protein. Podcasters so, especially. Uh, but why is this related to uh, technology, Mike? So you sent me a, an iMessage this morning, which is a rare occurrence for me and you to iMessage. I don't know why we do this, but we always just talk in Slack. I think we just got used to it. We have like we yeah. talk all the time, but we just talk in Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, but you sent me an iMessage of a flighty link for me to yes. track your flight, which was uh-huh. a great experience because I had a live activity on my iPhone that I was able to monitor through the morning as you were flying so i knew when you were landing so i could kind of plan my day out a little bit i loved i was able to take advantage of the newer feature in flighty which is to designate a flight as a friend's flight so it doesn't show up in your stats and it's in a different part of the app exactly Um, and the iMessage experience is really good because you sent me the link i tapped the link and it just opened the flighty app for me which i already have i'm a big fan of flighty if you don't have it you get a web page that's got the information in it yeah which is even better right that like they actually have that it's not like uh i mean i'm sure it's like if there's a there's a button in here says view full details and i'm sure that like on the web view i'm sure that takes you to like hey you should get flighty but it's not like that the web view is just like you can't look at this without you know like uh, which is like right a bit it's because it, it's it's meant to be shared with people that's the that's the point of it right it's like hey yeah. i'm traveling and you text your your you know person you're going to see or yeah. family member or whatever it is and say here's my flight info and they can actually see like they got off on time they're going to get on in time and all of that i mean then then it took me like an hour plus to to drive plus the the shuttle to the i mean there was a lot more after we landed it, 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 it took another <laughs> it, yeah it took another uh hour and a half to get home so yeah I was tempted to text you and be like five minutes to go. Like, yeah. I thought, I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm not, not gonna be alive. but I I was at the flighty uh, uh, live activity. Since, I think it's gotten even better since the last time I used it. Like I I looked at it at one moment and it was giving like a countdown, like in minutes and seconds until you were gonna land. It's like oh I didn't yeah. even know live activities could do that. I, I hadn't seen one. 
other than the the um like the official one do like a countdown like that just the design of the live activity is so good flighty is a like top tier application it was just another experience i'd had of it today that was uh really cool it's not cheap um, no and so you know it's not for everybody but it is so great so yeah that was so yeah i'm i'm a little discombobulated today it's because it was a very unusual morning but now I'm just sitting at my desk uh, doing upgrade. So now it feels like every other Monday morning. Well, allow me to take you on a rumor roundup, Jason Snow. Maybe that will oh. maybe that will help out. Let me give you the lay of the land, what's been going on over right. the last few days. Although there is a, a lot more bigger rumors we're going to talk about later on in the episode today. Mm-hmm. We are fully in rumor season right now where well, the roundup yeah. has broken free and it's all over the town, you know? No. Nine to five Mac is reporting that the iPhone 15 and 15 Pro may feature a frosted glass back. These were uh, leaks posted to Weibo, which have given them the indication this would occur. There is a question I have for you here: Is could we be seeing a glass finish swap? So the Pro phones have had frosted glass for a while, for many years mm-hmm. now, and the regular phones. Uh, I said 15 Pro, I meant to say 15 Max. The iPhone 15 and 15 Max. That is my correction that I'm giving you there. Uh, 15 Plus, wouldn't it be? Plus, that's the one. Plus. I See, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Nobody remembers the name of this phone anymore. It's too confusing. The iPhone 15 and 15 Plus may feature a frosted glass back. So Mm -hmm. the Pro phones have had frosted glass. The regular phones have had a kind of like a matte texture, regular glass. I'm wondering if they're going to flip. I wouldn't call it a matte texture. It's 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 shining glass. It's grippy and glass. It's just glass. And it's yeah. and, and it's bright. Well, okay, so here's the question. Is the reason that the iPhone uh, lower models, lower price models have been more colorful is because it works better with that glass and the reason the ones on the Pro models have been less colorful is because they had the frosted glass or is it more just Apple's differentiation between them because uh, what I don't want to see is that the low-end phones get boring like the high-end phones are in terms of color although it would be nice if the higher-end phones had color as well but it's all a mystery right like it it is the stated opinion of the upgrade program Mm -hmm. that apple's products should all be more colorful than they are so i would if they do this i would hate for it to mean that the iphone 15 and 15 plus are muted in some way that they're more uh, that there isn't an option for something with a brighter color that Apple said, you know what? We let our color excitement get away from us and we ha- actually made ni- nice colors and we can't have that. So we're going to make, we're going to dull it all up a little bit. I hope that's not the case. I still don't quite understand Apple strategy with color and the iPhone. Um, but I will say I'm interested in how this plays out because I have felt for this entire generation of iPhones, the 12, 13, 14, that the low-end model has been nicer looking. Uh, I prefer how they look to the high-end model because I, because of the colors and because of the, mm-hmm. the nature of that glass back. So what's it going to be? I don't know. I mean, this is the problem is these colors. Color. I feel color rumors are some of the worst rumors because, I don't know, they, they it just feels to me like that's shaky ground like apple can make decisions color is one of those things that apple can decide later on in the process they they just need to manufacture they could have eight colors going in and then decide on four or three 
when they actually ship them. We don't know, but yep. it's an interesting idea. I mean, they got to do something, right? They, they want they want these to feel a little bit different. Otherwise, it's the exact same phone for three or four years in a row, and that's no good. So if remembering, the Pro phones are expected to get titanium frames. So it was 9 to 5 medical questioning if there could be something going on there that maybe they're changing the way that the glass looks on the line sure. in some way. Maybe it will match up better with the titanium or they're just trying to potentially make the phones, as you say, just overall look more different even though they're not changing, potentially not changing too much right. of the uh, industrial design. And I don't know enough about how the titanium manufacturing process works, but the question would be also how how does titanium coloration work, right? Yeah. Like if that if there is an anodization like process for titanium yeah. that allows them to to have it hold bright colors, then that would allow them to do bright colors on those phones. Mm -hmm. If there isn't, and it really just needs to be shades of gray with a very subtle tint, then we're going to be back where we've been all along uh, yeah. with those pro phones. I remember an upgrading wrote into us a while ago because we quick questioned that, that like titanium can be, that color can be that. added to it. But I remember that vaguely, yeah. What we don't know is like how much color, you know, like, yes, you can add color, but like, is it bright or is it dull? Like, I, I don't know the answer to that. And we also don't know what Apple will do, you know, because they... They have their own ways of, of metallurgy. I used my very clever upgrade search engine to see that that was in episode 441 when Josh wrote in to let us know that titanium can, in fact, be anodized and the colors can be quite vibrant. So maybe, dream, dream here, dare to dream, maybe we'll get some pro phones with, with brighter color options on the glass backs and on the anodized titanium or or equivalent thereof titanium frame. Ming-Chi Kuo is reporting that the 15-inch MacBook Air will only offer an M2 chip. Um, it had previously been suggested that maybe an M2 Pro would be available in this model, but mm -hmm. now is saying it will just be two configurations of the M2, probably one, uh, this is my conjecture, I assume this will be one with a, a bin graphics. Yeah, uh, some description. Not a surprise, I don't think. No, if this is if this the, this computer has been described as a MacBook Air, and if it's a MacBook Air, I think that it implies that it doesn't have a fan. Yep, and therefore it's not going to have a Pro chip in it. I think the I think a lot of people got like ran away with this story, and they're like, oh, it's not going to be an M2, it's going to be an M3 because the the M3 is going to come out, and and then maybe it's going to be the Pro and all that. By far, the most likely scenario here is they're going to put this thing out. And then three months later or six months later, they're going to come out with an M3 MacBook Air. And people are going to go, oh, no, who will buy the M2 MacBook Air if there's an M3 MacBook Air? And the answer is going to be people who want a 15-inch laptop will buy it. That's mm -hmm. the answer. And it'll be fine. And they'll sync it up maybe at some point down the line. But, yeah, the 15-inch will have the M2. The 13-inch will have the M3. There's also a 13-inch that has the M1 that might stick around. So, like, they make it work. Uh, and if if there was any computer that I thought might get the M2 Pro as a config, it would be the 13-inch MacBook Pro, right? Because that's got a fan, so they could probably put the M2 Pro in it, and that would at least differentiate it from the MacBook Air in some way and mm -hmm. make it actually be a MacBook Pro in a way that it isn't right now. That would be the one that, if I had to guess, if they were revising anything to have the M2 Pro in it, it would be that. 
that 13 inch MacBook Pro. Yep. It might fit there. Mark Gurman was recently a guest on the Mac Rumor Show podcast where he shared that he believes that while the Mac Pro is likely to be released this year, he does not expect it to be shown at WWDC. Sorry, Mac Pro fans. Okay. I mean, there's a lot going on. Like having them say they probably aren't going to have room for that product or if it's going to be late in the year, uh, they're probably eyeing another. I don't think the Mac Pro is going to be an event kind of thing, right? But like, or is it going to just be a press release? It might be. Um, If they're not ready to show it now, the other possibility is that there'll be a fall fall Mac event. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the question I have then is if you wait, if you wait too long, you're going to start rolling out M3 MacBook Air, and would you put out an M2 Max Mac Pro at the same time as an M3 low end MacBook Air? Would that be too weird? I don't know, but they could they could do whatever they want with the Mac Pro. Honestly, it's such a I know that it takes up an outsized part of our imagination as uh, Mac aficionados, but they could do it with a press release and a little video, and it would be fine. Because the people who care are going to care. They're going to care no, no matter what. Nobody else will care because yep. it's the lowest selling Mac and it's not important mm-hmm. in most ways. I know the ways that it is important, but I'm just saying like in terms of Apple's Mac business, it's important as a flagship and maybe as a point of pride about where Apple Silicon is, but it's not something that needs to be like Apple I mean, nothing needs to be in an event other than the iPhone, I suppose, but certainly yep. the Mac Pro doesn't need to be an event. If it was, it would be WWDC. I still would hold out some hope that they might tease it because it's been so long since John Turner said, uh, I wouldn't do it again. Oh, that's another story. <laughs> I wouldn't tease but, it again. Well, you know, they could. I mean, they did. That's how they released the, the was it the trash can or the... Oh, you the, mean like a a full like on, a video with sil- oh, with a okay. silhouette and okay. like here That's, it is yeah. and it's coming later this year and we have more to share later and nothing else right yeah, unless but like, they have show a it. video like they right. did with the trash can like they did with the iMac Pro like I That's wouldn't it, right because they made a mistake like we spoke about this last week like John Turnus never should have done that wink at the camera like that was a mistake right it was over a year old now yeah or or they changed the path right and that got it delayed so that would make it a mistake again it's that classic like maybe this is why you shouldn't ever pre-announce literally anything yes. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna wink at the camera like that and then there's nothing yeah so um but when i mean i i'll i'll take mark at his word here that yeah. um that mac pro not a wwc it may just be like they're looking at the lineup and they're clearing the decks and it doesn't fit and so they'll do it later or it's not ready and they'll do it later. With what we've got to talk about later on with his kind of report on what the headset will be doing, I don't know how there'll be time for anything else yeah. during the WWC presentation. Yeah. But we'll get to that later on. Uh, one last thing, Mark Gurman also on the Mac Rumor show shared that he believes that Apple will only be enabling the ability for third-party app stores on iOS in regions that require it. So right now, they would be building this feature potentially into iOS 17 just for the European Union due to the Digital Markets Act. And that will be the only place where you'll be able to quote-unquote sideload applications in some form. Yeah, that would um, fit Apple's behavior. Yes, it would. It would only do the letter of the law uh and no more. Yep. That said, and I I said this before when we talked about it, because we talked about this a while ago and I think we got some feedback saying 
but you, you're talking as if this is going to be everywhere, but wouldn't it just be in the EU? The answer is yes, perhaps, but I don't know. I just feel like the moment that Apple opens this door somewhere, first off, that door will never close. And mm-hmm. second, the door will just keep opening wider and well, wider. wider. Yeah. And it will it will be, how do I, you know, right? Download this thing or uh, I'll, I'll sell you a uh, an account I made <laughs> with a gift card in it for uh, an I- Apple ID from the EU. Or yep. here's a spoofing thing you can do. Or use a VPN to enable this. And uh, like, and I, I imagine that if you're in the EU and you enable this, they're not going to like kick out all the apps when you travel to the United States, right? So they can lock it to an Apple ID or they can have it be like, there are ways that they can do that. And I I realize that it might not be mainstream, but like once the door is open, people will keep kicking it wider and wider open. Yeah. Um, Plus it does actually give Apple a bargaining chip everywhere else in the world where they can say, if you would like us to turn this on, if you know, if you regulate us to do this, we'll do it for you too. But because it's there, but we're not going to do it unless you tell us to. Yeah, that's what I would assume when you say about like the door being kicked open, that it's governments around the world kicking that door open, right? When they see that, yeah, the EU we can ask it. Apple to do this. Yeah. I mean, they already did it, so we'll let's just, just do we'll it. We'll just do it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it will make it easier for everybody to sideload apps because yep. there is a pathway, and we will it will be found and exploited, right? And yep. then secondly. Uh, it, it opens the the door to uh, legislation that is a lot easier because they can look at Apple's feature and say, do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially, and know that it's already being done. Um, or they'll wait a little bit and watch and see what happens in the EU. What, what we said before that bears repeating, too, is that Apple's claim that sideloading is the devil <laughs> and that it, op- it would be a disaster because curation in the App Store and et cetera, et cetera. Like, if they if it happens in the EU, either Apple would be proven right, which would be very interesting, um, or I think more likely Apple's entire argument will be shown to be utterly toothless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll find out one way or another, right? Like, if they do this and they say this is the road to perdition, and then it happens in the EU and it's fine, then that's the end of that argument for Apple. No, no, we met in America. <laughs> Only in America is it bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think this is inevitable. Once it starts, uh, the avalanche will continue, but um, it has to start first. So we'll see if that happens next year. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Factor. This spring, you need nutritious, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, active days and keep you on track to reaching your goals. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list because that one thing's taken care of for you. Skip that trip to the grocery store. Skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up after cooking too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, which is so much faster than any takeout option. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside, soak up the warmer weather, take those tasks off your to-do list, do what, just play a video game, do whatever you want. There are delicious flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles, like keto, 
calorie smart, which are around less than 550 calories per serving, vegan, veggie, and protein plus. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long while meeting your goals. With over 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like egg bites, smoothies, and more. Jason, did you go for Protein Plus because pro- podcasters need protein? I actually did Chef's Choice. Oh, ho, ho. I'll have the Chef's Choice if you don't Which mind. is because um, none of those things particularly were appealed to me and like, well, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to go with Chef's Choice of like just, you know, send me your best, send me your good stuff, and we'll see. I've been especially... Um, Lauren works uh, on an evening, so I've got one day a week where it's just me for dinner, and then I also have um, frequently the dilemma of what I do for lunch, so I'm looking forward to trying these out. Oh, yeah, and I guess as well, like in those situations, it is it, it can be, like if you're used to cooking for multiple people, if you're cooking for just one person, it's like a lot of effort right, to cook a yeah. whole meal, and like it's so difficult it to cook yeah. for just one person, right? Because exactly. you have too many ingredients, you end up with too much, too many leftovers. That's awesome. I look forward to in future episodes hearing uh, what the chef's choice provided you. Mm. Plus, Factor focuses on sustainability. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door. Plus, they source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices. And they feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash upgrade50 and use the code upgrade50 to get 50% off your first box. That's upgrade50, upgrade50 at factormeals.com slash upgrade50 to get 50% off your first box. The link's in the show notes. Our thanks to Factor for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Apple is developing a journaling app that could possibly be unveiled with iOS 17. The quote from the journal, the Apple journaling app, oh, the journal, do you think it's a coincidence that the journal got information about the journal app? Well, I mean, it is the official um, journal of journaling on Wall Street, so that makes sense. So maybe this is an app for Wall Street journals to journal? It is an app for Wall Street journals. It is a journaling app. It is reported by the Wall Street Journal. Are you getting it yet? Are you- it's an app. <laughs> <laughs> the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Apple is developing a journaling app that could possibly be unveiled of iOS 17. The Apple journaling app, says the journal, codenamed Jurassic, Jurassic is, journal. is designed to help users keep track of their daily lives according to the documents describing the software. The app will analyze the user's behavior to determine what a typical day is like, including how much time is spent at home compared to elsewhere and whether a certain day included something outside of the norm. So it seems like what they're going to be doing here is combining a bunch of data from across the system, right? From like maybe screen time, find my maps, fitness, like all these kinds of areas. And it references later on as well that this, um, they also, what does it say about, uh, according to a report, Apple's app will have the ability to gather much more user data than third-party journaling apps and will have access to text messages and phone calls, but privacy and security will be central to the software's design. The analysis of the user's day will take place on device and journaling suggestions will remain in the system for four weeks. 
after which they will be removed. And as well as the automatic stuff, it is actually supposedly acting as a journal. So it brings in like this data for you to look at and maybe you can add it to the app in some way. But it is also prompting you to reflect on and write about your day, right? So like you will have the ability to just write what you're feeling, write what you're thinking based on this information. Does this surprise you as an app that Apple would want to make? Yes and no. It struck me a little bit like uh, conceptually a little like freeform, right? When we talked about freeform, freeform is an app that's kind of built out of a bunch of constituent parts that Apple already had. And then they got kind of like put together with some new stuff on it, but it was some features that sort of Apple already worked on a lot of this stuff. They had the components, they could put it together and do some extra work and build an app. And this feels a little like that in the sense that Apple has all of this information already. And so on one level, it's like, well, we, you know, Apple already knows how you spent your day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it can really help with everything else that's going on. Um, and, and I could see the pitch being that, right? Which is like, well, you know, journaling apps are fun, but we can make a very simple one because, again, it's Apple. If they do this as an included app, um, it's going to be the one to reach the broad audience they're going to want to reach instead of like the really dedicated journal journaling people. But they can p- pick out like what apps did you use? Where did you go today? Um, you know, any anything that the phone knows about you. Uh, what notifications you got. I mean, there's a question of like, what what can they intercept and catalog? Mm-hmm. Even if it's all on device, you still have to ask yourself that question. I'm intrigued by that. But it is, your phone is a very personal object and it does know things about you and it could probably contribute those or offer to contribute those to this. Um, and then maybe there's an API or something where, you know, apps are going to be able to contribute events of like, you listen to this podcast right. or, you know, whatever. You listen to this music, they know, right? If you listen to Apple Music, but you, you set up some some events APIs where um, apps can sort of log things that you did during the day and then they're also presented to you. It's an interesting idea. I think that they could, there's probably already things that developers have to do, right? That this would be able to pull from like a, you know, kind of like how shortcuts works, right? Where like shortcuts is taking advantage of an API, which is name I can't remember, to be able to recommend things that you do frequently on your device, right? And so they can then mm-hmm. be incorporated into shortcuts. It's how kind of like the Siri shortcuts thing started off, right. right? Of like, here's a thing that you do frequently. Why don't you turn this into a shortcut? So I think that this is a fascinating idea. Like uh, Vidit in the uh, Discord is saying intense API, which I think is what yep. it's called now. I think it used to have a different name. It was something else, but now I think it's intense. This idea is fascinating to me. Obviously, I care about journaling. I make a journal, right? And I think because I, I believe in that idea of like reflecting and, and writing out. And for someone who's already a journaler, I could imagine myself wanting to take advantage of the data part, but I'm still going to write it down on pen and paper because that's just what I care about. Um, I would love it if I could, at, you know, maybe take a picture of my like my theme system journal, put it into this app, right? So like what I write down, I could add it in and it could, you know, be something like that. I know mm. that uh, our friend David Sparks does something similar, right? Like he writes out a journal and takes pictures of it and saves it in day one, right? So like you could you could do that, but you'd benefit from all this information. 
Now, I mentioned day one, so I will say here, this, the thing that surprises me about even approaching an app like this and the way that they're building it, it's like, it just kind of feels like they're asking for trouble. Like, because Apple will now make a journaling app with features that only they're able to access but in existing apps that do this kind of stuff, they can't get all of the information about your text messages, your phone calls, your proximity right. to other people, which is a thing that it will be able to work out to try and suggest that you know maybe you spent time with Jason today because you were both in the same place based on Fire mm-hmm. Mile. Like, third parties aren't going to be able to access this data. So whilst this could be a good feature, it could end up just being another kind of place to hang a hat on of how Apple is anti-competitive. And for that reason, I'm kind of a little bit perplexed by this idea because I can't imagine this will be a set of APIs for journaling apps to be able to use. Well, that right. I mean, th- so this is, I, I think this makes the counter argument, which is the privacy argument, which in, in the Wall Street Journal report, that's what they say is that privacy and security will be central to the software's design. I think that's the counter argument, which is Apple is going to keep all this on device and it's going to be encrypted and in your iCloud account, et cetera, et cetera. And, that's, and, and that anything that Apple's doing in terms of analyzing your behavior it's just going to go to this place and it's just going to stay on your device. And and then Apple, the stuff you choose to save is only going to sync encrypted to Apple and it's going to be super perfect, right? The reason that they're going to say that is because, honestly, can you imagine saying, we've got an API now that's going to collect all the behavior of everything you do on your iPhone and third part, oh yes, third party apps will be able to read it all. <laughs> no, like you can't, you, you can't do that. Right, because there's essentially zero trust with third-party apps. We've we've been down this road before. Yeah, and even if there's, I mean, there are clever ways they could do it. They could have it be like, okay, it is an API. We're not non-competitive. Day one can use this. Other journaling apps can use this. But here's how it works: is they have a, a they use this API, and it and they never see what is offered to the user, and the user chooses what to add. Yep from an API that's running kind of like the that photos API that brings up a photo yeah. picker but the the app doesn't see the photos in your mm-hmm. library it it just sees the ones you pick and pass to it but it doesn't see all the photos in the library and that's Apple's approach to privacy they could do something like that and maybe maybe they would but it would have to be at that level right which is we've created an event picker that's based on the events that happen on your phone. They stay on the device and third-party apps can have access to it if you allow them, but even then they only will see the events that you choose to share. And it won't be like a, yes, share all my music with this app. It'll be choose the music that you listen to. Mm-hmm. Here's a list uh, that you listen to today. Pick the songs you want to share with this app. Maybe they could do it that way, but it's going to be tough. And, and often, often what Apple does is they release the app and then they, you know, the API comes later. So it's like for the, just this time, it's just us, but you would cer- certainly the counter argument would be there are already journaling apps out there. What are you doing? Why are you privileging yourself here? Why don't you just build the API and let all the journaling apps use it? If you think it's such a great idea. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like my counter argument to your original counter argument, which is like the one about safety and security is Apple don't have to make a journaling app. Like, 
this isn't right. a business they need to be in at all. Like it, it. Right. This is not something that is expected of phones, right? Like it's not like a mm-hmm. a tentpole feature that they should have to be able to meet their competition. Like this would be a sure. really interesting app that they could do some really cool stuff with, and I would be really interested in it as a user. Like I don't use something like day one because I don't have a personal need for it. Um, it would just be, I would be doing what I'm doing on pen and paper, which I prefer. I would be typing it, which I don't want to do, but this app would be intriguing to me because it may be able to surface things to me that I wasn't even aware I did, right? Because it's collecting up data from my phone. And then I can use that in some kind of way of reflecting on my day. It'd be like a, here's a bunch of data that I have and I can use that. And that's all fine, right? But Also, I will say, if it's all, all on device, I have a question too, which is, is, is it going to be as useless as some of Apple's other stuff where their commitment to on-device privacy means that if I'm journaling on my iPad and I've been places with my iPhone, mm-hmm. that my iPad doesn't know about it because it's only on the iPhone. Yeah, that's that's stupid. But Apple does that with the health stuff and I hate it. So I, I would wonder, you know, is this a thing where really you're only able to do this on on your iPhone because mm. only your iPhone knows these things and it would be maybe iPhone specific. I can You're imagine right. them making it. There doesn't, there doesn't need to be an app to do this, but it's also possible that they, that they think that this is a nice bit of functionality mm-hmm. that they have access to. And it could be that this is literally a demo app. I mean, that they'll, they'll do the basic app, but that if there's an API behind it, then they're also saying we've allowed this whole new class of data to be shared with apps that you trust as I described, right, which mm-hmm. is you bring up a, a an event picker and you choose the events and they get sent to whatever app you choose to send them to. Yeah, maybe that that's the idea. But I would yeah, hope it's diff- that's it, the case. It, it's it is difficult, right? You can see the the thing here where there's Apple. Apple has access to some very specific data that apps don't have. And so on one level, you're like, well, this is this is interesting. Maybe we should make an app. But if you do that then you have now built this app from a privileged position that potentially hurts all of the apps that aren't in the privileged position. But at the same time, you can't give them access to privileged information because who knows what that app is going to do with it, sync it back to somewhere, mine it for information, you know, whatever it is. So then you have to erect security. And this this is why Apple gets in trouble, right? This is why. Because there is a legitimate argument, and it varies in how legitimate it is, but there is a legitimate argument that the reason Apple holds on to this stuff is not anti-competitive, it's because it's protective. And, you know, I, I think that's true to a certain extent and then not to the extent that Apple pushes it. But you can see it right here in this idea. And your argument is also a strong one, which is like, maybe just don't do it, right? Maybe just don't yeah. step in another one. But here, here it is. But again, watch if this does come out in iOS 17. I, I will say again, watch for the nature of that. Is this an API that other apps get access to, or is this Apple building something just for itself that yeah. only Apple can can see? Because that's um, a little bit tougher to. It, it, you can understand why they would do it that way, but it's also a choice that they've made to keep that keep it for themselves instead of building yeah. something that any app could potentially use in a secure way. And it's like it, it's frustrating to me because like, I would like this application to exist. I am sure that there are people inside of Apple who wanted it to exist, so they've made it, right? And it's like a cool thing that they've made. But there's this part in the middle where decisions have been made about how Apple runs its business that makes this like a 
it can't just be a celebration of like a cool thing that they've made. Right. Like, that there will be like WordPress, right? Well, who owns day one, like automatic, mm-hmm. I should say, who owns day one. Yeah. We'll be like, hang on a minute. Like I actually think in the Wall Street Journal article, if I'm remembering rightly, they spoke, spoke to Paul Main, the founder of day one. And yeah, you know, he was kind of just like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, I mean? well, I mean, and and Sherlocking as a concept yeah. is most often applied to things that feel like they're part of the core. Yeah, and that and and that allowing that thing to just be on the third party. That at some point it's like, well, no, that needs to be first party. We need to bring that on the inside. This feels so outside of that. And yeah. I, I I totally can hear the pitch from inside Apple about it. And I think that there's validity in that. But you are like, there's no driving impetus to doing something like this. This is literally, literally like, hey, uh, journaling apps are uh, popular, but we could do way better because we have access to better info. Let's just make a journaling app. It's like, okay, but mm, mm, you're not supposed to do that. No. Uh, it's always the worst thing to have to hear that you're about to be Sherlocked. Day one founder Paul Main told the Wall Street Journal after hearing about Apple's plans, it will definitely give us some competition. Yeah, right. I mean, and then the counter argument is Apple, Apple validating the category matters. Yeah. Apple getting people interested in the idea matters. Mm-hmm. And I do think it gets overstated. Often Sherlocking does have the effect of validating your market. And while the most casual users are pleased with what the, the platform vendor can offer, there's still a big opportunity in, in all the stuff that the platform vendor will never offer because Apple is, is going to keep it simple because it's a stock app. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, an oppor- it's, it's dangerous, but also an opportunity depending on the details. Yeah, I think that for me, the Sherlocking part becomes more complicated when and if, right, Apple has created something in their system to allow just them to do this yes. part of it. Like, yeah. we're going to make the same apps, an app in the same category as you, but our, ours will be able to do a thing that we will not allow you to do. Right. Nobody else has access to this data. It's privileged, yeah. but we get it. And so and that, that's why ours is that's the best. more complicated to me. Yes, as, I agree. That's, to, that's, to the, that's why I think looking for is this part of a sharing API or is uh-huh. this literally uh, only Apple will provide this information and that's it. You don't, you know, no other app can get this information in any way. That's shakier. But like as someone, in case people are wondering about conflicts, right? As someone in the journaling business, like this for me, for me is good, right? Because I don't make a journaling app, but I make right. a journal. And this will put journaling in the minds of more people. So to me, it's like a good thing, right? Because like I make something so different to an app that like you have to want to do it. So like this might do that thing, right? Exactly what you're saying, where people find out about journaling more and then I can be like, oh, hey, have you seen this really nice paper version that you might want instead? But like if I'm making an app, right? If, I've, if, if me and Gray were making the theme system journal app, I'd be pretty upset <laughs> about this. Right, because that's more of a direct competition. So, I'll be interested to see. Like, I am genuinely very intrigued about this. I think it would be great to be able to have applications where they're able to pull in more stuff across the system. Right, I think that would be great, and I would love it more if 
there was some easy API or like some easy way for this journaling app to be able to pull in things that I'm doing in third party apps. I think that that stuff tends to fall down quite a lot, right? Like shortcuts is a perfect example in places where it'd be great if developers actually did more, right? To like really truly support it. So we'll see. But I am intrigued. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. You might be trying to find, you've got something going on, right? You know, maybe you're not feeling your best and you want to try and find a cause for these symptoms. And then you end up stumbling down a rabbit hole online and now you're a bit more worried than you were before. There are better ways to get the answers that you want rather than Googling or being on TikTok. The care that you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. That is the better way to get these answers. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care that you need to deliver the type of experience that you want. ZocDoc is the only app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Being able to book doctor's appointments in an app and then arrange calls and just do the whole thing without ever needing to leave your office, leave home. That is such a game changer. Rather than taking the time, going to the doctor's surgery, waiting in the doctor's surgery, then being late, now you're late. Like That's a whole hassle. Being able to just do all of this stuff right there when you need it is great. Or even if you do want to go and see the doctor in person, not having to call up and wait on hold and trying to find and then like trying to look at your calendar, all of that's hassle. This is what makes ZocDoc so great. There's no more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor that you haven't met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who's patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM, ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of this show and RelayFM. I mentioned that we were in high time when it comes to, to rumors. 420, woo! Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, we did we did uh, celebrate 420, I, I guess, if, if that was your thing last week. I mean, but I don't know if this was related, but who could tell? Then I went to Eugene, though. So in, in if you're present in Eugene, Oregon, you're sort of celebrating 420 all the time. Oh, interesting. Uh, Is that the case? I, I don't know anything. Yeah, about like, in, like in downtown San Francisco, yeah, there's a pervasive. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually, actually, a little side story, oh, since that people weren't mm-hmm. expecting this. A little side yep. story. Um. I went in a I went into a marijuana dispensary when I was in Eugene. Okay. Why? Why? Because I have been told that it was an amazing sci-fi themed office and it was. They it, it it had a TARDIS door that took you into the back. There was a like there was like a Star Trek uh, label like was on the walls of the Enterprise in the original series on the wall at one point. They had like they had Star Wars stuff. It was really good, like really good, super nerdy memorabilia. Um, and then I walked out because I'm not interested in purchasing their purchasing their wares. But I did go in, um, and it smelled less like pot on the inside than it did on the streets that makes so sense there was I that mean, too they're not blazing inside you know? not inside no you take that outside clearly yeah. 
Plays but uh, yeah, so anyway, inside. it's it's just I, I was laughing because um, having worked in downtown San Francisco, um, going to Eugene was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm, yep, pervasive. Well, anyway, well the products like sci-fi named, like did they have like funny names? Oh yeah, I think so. I think it's all I think it's all themed. Like the whole yeah. thing. The, pl- the place is called Space Buds. This is now an ad for Space Buds Hell in yeah. Eugene, Oregon. Space Buds. Um, just go in. I'm not I'm not endorsing the product. I'm just saying that it it's uh the, their decorations are awesome. Space Buds. Yep. Was it with an S or with a Z? Do you know? Space yes. Buds, Oregon. I'm going to let people find it themselves rather than put it in the show notes. I feel like that's just going to open us up to a whole new set of uh, email spam that we, you know, to add to our current collection of email spam that we get based on the information in our show notes. Okay. It's, but people it's can fine. go to spacebudsthedispensary.com, which is not yep. a great domain it's, name, to be honest. It's not that great. It's not as bad as 1-800-Flowers.com, but it's pretty bad. Yeah, but even that domain, like, you remember that one. You just said it, right? Like, what you're going to remember after today, Space Buds. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's a, a phone number as a domain name is a bad idea. Anyway, they have a billboard. As you get off of I-5 and are headed to Eugene, wow. uh, there is a billboard by the side of the freeway for Space Buds. We the were dispensary. Laughing. The dispensary. Dot, dot com. Yeah, not to be confused with Space Buds the Florist. Oh, that is, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That that one I didn't I didn't know where you were going with that, but now I get it. Anyway, Mark Gurman has more reports over at Bloomberg on how Apple's headset is shaping up and how they plan to launch this product to the world. They're gonna be focusing the product on a few key areas gaming, fitness, collaboration, entertainment and kind of creating a work environment for yourself. This seems very broad, right? But it appears that Mm. they are packing this feature, like packing this with features to appeal to as many people as possible, see what sticks, move forward. Apple is planning on iPad apps to be a, I think, surprisingly big component of the headset. Um, it appears that Reality OS, which is based on iOS, will draw from the iPad App Store for applications as well as apps that are made kind of primarily for AR VR. But you'll be able to search for apps and you'll find anything that's available for iPad. Apple's going to be optimizing a vast array of their core platform apps that are on iPad for the headset. These are you know, messages, notes, photos, the list goes on and on and on. Every app that is considered to be kind yes. of like core to the platform, which usually installed. Of course. They're going to optimize to be available here in VR versions, as well as Pages, Numbers, Keynote, GarageBand, and iMovie. They're all called out in the, uh, in the report from Mark. There will be a selection of experiences that are fully tailored to the VR capabilities of the device. Apple Books is in this part, which I I can't get my head around the yeah. VR Apple Books experience, like what that is. I don't know. Do you think know. it's going to be like you'll hold your hand out and there'll be a book in it and you'll just like turn the page? Like what is Will it? Be for, a, for a coffee table book? Is it, maybe it's audio books and then you can listen while you're doing something else. I don't know. I don't know. That one, I, this is. You should go on and read the rest of these, but like I this will. is this is the part where I think is is fascinating, which is what apps need to be in VR, mm-hmm. other than like as a floating window yep. or Windows containing data, because that makes sense, yes. right? That you, but when you mm-hmm. put this on, you basically have an iPad or iPhone uh, power 
And so you you can run those apps and they all sync with your iCloud account. So if you want to call up your notes, you can just do it when you're in there and you have them float, you know, float over here. And there'll probably be something like Stage Manager. There'll be sort of a windowing system that'll allow you to have yep. multiple items floating and then switch between items. They won't. I don't think it's going to be the case um, that as was suggested on Connected last week, I don't think it's going to be the case where like you're on a calendar and you have to run to the right day and then jump on it and then the, climb the, in the calendar man and the Gotta day yeah the and then the day emerges and then you can you can touch the I don't think it's going to be like that there'll be a window with a calendar someone is going to make the VR calendar app that you climb through yeah you know someone made the podcast that didn't have a recording and only had show notes too there are bad ideas exist in the world so you know I wish I wish them all luck oh my god I've forgotten about that <laughs> You have just, you've transported me back like sense memory style. What, what if we didn't record a podcast, but we just, just gave talked you the show notes. And, and posted the show notes? Yeah. Man. Great idea. Yep. Um, but there are other apps that Apple are making, which do make more sense. I think like when you just read them uh, rather than books. So a meditation yeah. app. Great. Right. Like you can create a serene environment. Right. And you can also be like, you know, locked away inside of the app. Well, yeah, because it, it's sensory, right? You've got, you've got the audio and the visual to try mm-hmm. and create a a pleasant place for meditation, mm-hmm. right? Makes sense. It's like like the Breathe app or what is is the Breathe app now the meditation app? Anyway, yeah. you know, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Freeform, which will, quote, let users work on virtual whiteboards together while in yeah. mixed reality. I actually imagine Freeform will build part of the new FaceTime experience. Like, I actually think that they will work together. Uh, yeah, because you'll be in a virtual um, Meeting or conference room, room yeah. with a shared whiteboard, mm-hmm. essentially. I think that sure. those two things will go together. And or you remember how um, in iOS 16, there was like, hey, all of these apps have new collaboration features, right? Like mm-hmm. I could imagine any app that they added this like iCloud collaboration to could also be pulled into a VR meeting and be worked of on course. all the time together. Just, right? just a share play will be yeah. like that too. Just a share play, it's the yeah. same, the same kind of, kind of thing that'll be there. So yeah, I think most apps are going to be like again not running across a calendar not like having to you know take an adventure to move from one tab of a numbered spreadsheet to another like those will be things that maybe they'll be like little vr affordances but i'm really thinking of it as it's a computer that's already running and it's Mm -hmm. on your face Mm -hmm. and so you those apps will be there so if you want to uh bring up keynote you can do that and you'll be able to do some level of productivity in here. I think the question is always going to be, why am I doing this on a headset and not on an iPhone or an iPad or a computer? And maybe the reason is that they want you to think of this as a productivity device where like you can go, this is that famous concept of, you know, what if I go on a, on a business trip and I don't bring my laptop instead, I just bring the headset and I can sit in the hotel room and I can do work with a big monitor and everything, but I actually am just using the headset. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But uh, the, the, there's a, not a very heavy lift to bring these apps in their basic form to the headset. The question is which ones deserve more. And that's the, that's a little bit of the mystery here. On that note about like kind of going back a little bit, talking about these apps like iPad apps, a quote from the Mark's report, the device will be able to run multiple apps at the same time floating within the mixed reality interface. The product will remember where you were physically when you were using the app. 
if, say, a user runs the web browser from the kitchen, goes to another room, and then comes back, the browser will reappear. <laughs> I like that. This feels a little like Siri intelligence almost, which is like, except for spatial, right? Where it's like, oh, I know that this time of day you do this. This is, I know that, you know, when you're in the kitchen, you had the web browser up, so I'm going to do that. So yeah, or imagine a uh, stage, stage manager that's geotagged. What I would like in this is like, you know, we both have spoken about Mela, the recipe app, right? right? If that was just pinned to my wall always in the kitchen, right. great. Right, like, because that's what I—that's the place where I need it. It's the place where I want it. So, like, that kind of thing could make sense with a headset on. I mean, we also have to think. On one level, this all is seems a little. We're going to have some questions where it seems ridiculous. Like, why am I doing the headset there? And I think we're going to be able to analyze this when this thing is real and say, what's Apple thinking here? Because something like web browser in the kitchen like okay you're using your vr glasses in the kitchen what's that about i think the answer is imagine the future product that is always not as cumbersome and that's ar and that you would wear and Mm -hmm. is augmenting all aspects of your life i think part of what apple is trying to do with this in the long run is that and so some stuff might make more sense in the near term and some stuff might be like well this is great but i'm not going to actually cook with this thing on and the answer will be no but in five years you'll wear something and you will use it to cook but so we're starting that process now it'll be interesting to see that because some of the stuff will seem a lot less practical than other stuff will mark calls out a few things that we've mentioned around video so we've been kind of worrying wondering about this for a while like watching movies in a vr theater which is a thing that we've both done uh with oculus products in the past um and then also like kind of sports and live events that you would actually be able to have some kind of presence within that event which was you know there was a company called next vr that apple bought many years ago yes. and they were doing this exact thing so they would set up at a sporting event record it and then you could use their tools to watch it back and feel like you had some kind of sense of being there in fact i i think even more than that we're going to see this into um mls and oh, friday sure. night baseball yeah. where it's live where they're oh, wow. you know they've got a vr uh, rig or two or three or whatever and allow you to be um you know present at a sporting event in a way that you're not currently and that's an interesting uh since they've got rights now to some sporting events that's an interesting approach for them uh one of the big one of the ones that i think is actually going to be a very big deal if they get it right is fitness plus if you could do vr workout and you've got someone standing yeah. in front of you doing the workout, mm-hmm. but you can kind of really like better see how. The, like, I think that could be a really big deal if they oh, get that. I right. agree. And as a as a bike uh, as a bike rider, I would really yeah. love having the extra because I do. I have a stationary bike that I use sometimes, especially when the weather is bad and it's so boring. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I'm watching TV shows, it's just it's real boring. And if I'm watching an Apple Fitness thing, which I do now, um. It's still kind of boring, right? Like I, I like those trainers fine, but it's still kind of boring. I think that in a s- circumstance where I could be uh, maybe riding with them, maybe riding through a landscape while they're 
floating above me and giving me instruction, whatever it is, I think there's some opportunity for some immersiveness there beyond just you're in the Apple Fitness studio with the trainers, mm-hmm. although even that would be kind of interesting. Yeah, but you could, as you say, right, the rowing workout, why can't rowing. I be rowing on a little creek somewhere? A little, little lake. Yeah. yeah. Why not, right? Why not do that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then this part was fascinating to me. Uh, Mark Gurman is saying now, contrary to basically every report that has come before, gaming will now apparently be a central piece of the product. Quote, the company has been working with a small number of developers for months to help them upgrade their assistive mm-hmm. software for mixed reality. There you go. Yeah, and it's going to be who y'all know, right? It's going to be, this is very clearly developers of games that are on iOS. Probably Apple Arcade games, right? Like, uh, there are some existing developers that it was a game that that I loved called What the Golf, that was one of the early arcade games. They have a VR game called What the Bat, which is hilarious and fantastic, where you have bats for arms. Ah, and so like there are already existing developers that they're aware of that you know have VR titles that could be one way to do it Um, and and there could also be uh, they could be working with people to create virtual reality versions of their existing games etc etc but I still remain intrigued about what the control mechanisms are if it's all going to be hand tracking I don't know yeah this device will have biometrics in the form of eye scanning. Mm-hmm. It's an eye ID. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that. I guess it would be retina ID, right? Retina ID, yeah, something like that. Although if they call it eye ID, incredible, right? Like, just, I would be flabbergasted, but maybe it's one of those things everybody's written down, nobody said it out Iris, loud. <laughs> until it was Iris too ID? <laughs> Might be irises. I don't know if it's irises or retinas or what they're scanning, but maybe. Maybe it's just your eyes and your face, so maybe it's just mm-hmm. face ID. Mark Gurman followed up. In, so this was all a piece on Bloomberg. He then followed up in his uh, newsletter, spoke a little bit more about this, and kind of referred to the approach as scattershot. Um, this morning, our friend to show, Stephen Hackett, wrote about this approach, and kind of he compares the product launches over time of like iPhone, iPod, Apple Watch, like these big things and kind of like how they were perceived at the time, how they were spoken about. And, you know, like everybody knows the iPhone presentation, right? The three things. And then Apple tried to redo this a little bit with the Apple Watch, but that presentation ended up being much broader. Um, And he says the thing that I like, says every new product needs to be broad now because consumers assume that everything is a computer that can do computer things. Splashing cold water on the headset's upcoming announcement because it appears to lack a killer app feels premature to me. Doing a bit of everything is mere table stakes now. So like yeah. this this whole thing that Mark's talking about is like, hey, it does everything. But and you know, we've been talking about this in previous weeks of like the killer app and what is a killer app. And like realistically, the killer app for this headset is just using it and it feels good. Like it but it needs to do it all. Or it'll emerge, right? Like the, yeah. they'll they'll give a sense of a thing where it's like, oh, that thing is what everybody loves yeah. about it, and these other things don't matter. But I agree with Stephen; it's table stakes at this point. And you've yep. got the other thing is Apple's advantage here, and this is actually what I wrote about in MacWorld last week. Yep. Um, Apple's advantage is Apple has built because Apple is the only company that has a zillion different bespoke hardware or software platforms for hardware that they make, right? 
Like they, they, they don't just have one. They have, they have a half dozen of them. The, the, the only way they can do that is by recycling. Everything is basically based on iOS, except for Mac OS. And even that they share code, um, and, and, uh, history. And so this product's going to be based on iOS too. And the apps are going to be very much like iOS. The great advantage is what we talked about earlier. You can just bring in your iOS apps and say, you know, do people want to use notes <laughs> or, or pages in, in VR? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know, but um, you can, and then yeah. let's find out. And they can do that at a cost that is so much less than uh, if you had to build everything like that from scratch. Like Facebook can't do that, right? But Apple can do that. And then they can see, and then they can focus in other areas and place some bets. And I do think that that's what's going on. And I, and as Stephen points out, like the Apple Watch did that too. And I think there's, I I, I don't love it because the ideal product launch is a product where you know exactly what it is um, and why it's going to be a hit. But the truth is modern computing platforms are so varied that you kind of just need to fill in the table stakes and then place some bets and then see what happens yep. and go from there and follow your users. If you're going to build an operating system, like if you're going to say this thing has its own operating system, in 2023, there are 15 things it needs to do, right? Yeah. Like it needs to be able to access all your photos, your messages, you've got to be able to yeah. access your email, your calendar. Your, like, it's got to have all of that. And Apple gets that for free. If not yeah. for free, Apple gets that for real cheap. Yeah. And, and that's that's one of their huge advantages with this yeah. is they get it for cheap because it's an iPad on your head, right? Mm-hmm. And so it can run that software unmodified probably, right? Just as a window. Probably doesn't even need anything. They're probably gestures that are equivalents and all of that, right? So that gets them that. And then... They add extra stuff. Yep. It's how you interact with a touch device on a virtual screen and how you move around to different apps and different windows and different apps. And that that layer of it, it matters a lot. And what these individual kind of like apps that go beyond, like the wellness app, that's a good place where you need to figure it out if there's a meditation app or whatever it is. So, you know, that, that's the that's the trick is you place your bets, you do the table stakes, Sorry, I'm mixing my gambling metaphors here, but you do the table stakes, and then you and then you have areas of of interest where you kind of add on, mm-hmm. and then you and really you ship it and see what happens. I'm a firm believer in that that like that that's what they have to do is they have that's why this product has to ship because they got to they got to start going and they got to start getting legitimate feedback from the world about the decisions that they made on the inside that were right and the decisions that they made on the inside that were wrong so that they can change direction and you you just won't know that until you ship it. Michaels has a few details about the battery pack to wrap this one up today. Um, it will feature a magnetic connector. So there will be like a cable coming from the battery pack that will have a, mag- a proprietary magnetic connector on the end that you'll attach to the headset and you twist it so it locks. So that way it won't come out and cut your power, right? Right. But you'll just twist it, disconnect easily. The battery pack will look similar to the MagSafe iPhone battery pack, but will be bigger and should give about two hours of power. So Mark expects, which would make sense, that you would have the ability to buy extras of these. So you could, you know, have three of them and keep charging. Charges by USB-C, the the battery pack itself. The headset also has a USB-C port on it. So maybe you could just plug it in if you're seated and just power it that way, right? Like that mm-hmm. you'd have the option potentially. But yeah, that's how it's going to run. I think they're going to need to do that 
if they if they're really talking about doing productivity things, I feel like they're going to need to have the ability for you to plug in directly. Yep. yep. Why not, right? And that maybe that's an extra, you know, hundred dollar, uh, six foot cable <laughs> that does that. I don't oh, know. God. Yeah, maybe special VR cables, mm-hmm. gold lined VR cables. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Ladder. Look. We all have a tendency to put some things off to the very last minute. I know I do this all the time, right? I'm sure that you do too. Whether it's going to the DMV, arranging a dental checkup, which I'm so bad at, or getting to that next home improvement project, you know, the kinds of things I'm talking about. While most of the time it works out, you just get it done when you get it done. One of the things in life that you cannot afford to wait on is setting up term coverage life insurance. You've probably seen life insurance commercials on TV and you thought, I'll get to it later on. But this isn't something you want to wait on. Choose life insurance through Ladder today. Ladder is 100% digital. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, you just answer a few questions about your health in an application. Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and they made Forbes' best life insurance list of 2021. You just need a few minutes and a phone or a laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out if you're instantly approved. There are no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time, and you'll get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Ladder's policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying out claims. They are rated A and A+, by AM Best. And since life insurance costs more as you age, now's the time to cross it off your list. So, go today to ladderlife.com slash upgrade to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash upgrade. One last time, ladderlife.com slash upgrade. A thanks to Ladder for the support of this show and Relay FM. It is time for some Ask Upgrade questions. The first one comes from Brent today who says, I'm curious how you do your show notes for the show. Specifically, does each episode get a new file in Google Docs, or do you have one single document that you update every single episode? And is this the same for all of your shows? One single document that we update each episode, and Mm -hmm. for all of my shows that have show notes, that is how we do it. Yep. The upgrade document, there have been three of them in total, because it gets to a certain point where the document becomes really unusable on iOS. Like there's just so much history in the document. We had to change it quite recently because it just would not open for me on my iPhone. So we set up a new document, but we keep those old ones. So this is from like episode 450 onwards. This is how I do for all of my shows, like just the same Google Doc all the time. I know that on Mac Power users, they use a new one every time and I cannot understand that. It doesn't Because they're monsters. Um, yep, I will say point. that incomparable, and we have this now with our, our Google sheet, uh, I have a planning sheet. Yeah. Mac, MacBreak Weekly and Twit and also Clockwise have a Google sheet with new tabs for every episode. Mm-hmm. And what they do there is they have a generic tab that they duplicate. Or if you don't have that, you, you make a duplicate and then you delete everything from the previous episode and put in the new information. But that works better if you've got something where it's sort of like the format is we're going to talk about these links or the format is uh, everybody brings a topic like clockwise. 
what we do on upgrade is much more detailed and doesn't fit that format. Um, no, so you can't we have outline in, in Google Sheets. <laughs> right. So Very it's easily. a Google Doc and then we just delete it. And I mean, you you basically just delete it and put in the new sponsors mm-hmm. and the new number and and then new content in yep. between the headers. Because I go. can always go back to the history and see any it, episode yeah, that if, I want, which I love. If we need to, we can go to the version history and it allows us to put a bunch of stuff down at the bottom of like, like you know, here's an extra thing and here's an idea and that all lives down at the bottom of the document. Yep. Jack asks, what are your favorite Safari extensions and are they different on Mac OS and iOS? Oh, I have just first here? three yeah. and they're the same on all of my devices. Um, one is Super Agent. Super Agent is a fantastic app that basically means that I never need to see cookie notices anymore. Right. You set some preferences in Super Agent, and then every time a cookie notice comes up, it just d- applies those settings to whatever the cookie thing is, right? So, like, it can turn off tracking cookies, it can enable functional cookies only, and then I just don't need to see them anymore. One um, password is one of my extensions. Uh, I really like it on iOS a lot. I think it does a great job. Um, and then Honey. I use Honey. This is the one where like it can save you money as you shop. It's like, why not just have it there? I, I've used oh. it. I have it there. It, I haven't saved a lot of money with it, but I've saved some. So oh. why not, right? It's just there. Whenever I'm checking out, it will check to see if there's any available codes for me and apply them. I'm using um, one blocker. I'm using, which is an ad blocker that's also content and custom. I actually, what was it? I was on a website that I won't name, but it's a tech uh, website. And they have a new template where in the middle of the article, they insert a top comment. Oh, oh yeah. I saw this recently. <laughs> and I, 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 have, I have block comments turned on, but that is inserting... Uh, a comment in the story text essentially. And I, yeah. I hate it. Um, and one of the things one blocker lets you do is custom blockers where you, if you can find the, the, the like CSS, you do inspect element in Safari and you, you find this, find the CSS of like the element that's in there and you just turn it off and it goes away. So you can build your own custom content blocking. Um, so I, it's blocking ads, but it's also blocking comments and trackers and widgets and other stuff. Um, so I use that one password, obviously. And I am using, um, I wrote about this a while ago, Redirect Web for Safari, which basically is an app that lets you, and, and uh, Stop the Madness, I think, does this too. You can basically put a URL pattern in and say, take this URL pattern when you see it and redirect it to a different web page. And I actually use that because there are a bunch of local newspapers in the Bay Area who are owned by the same company and they all have the same URL scheme. Mm. And I subscribe to one of them, but the subscriptions don't cross. So it's set up that if it hits a, uh, a, a URL on the one site, it rewrites that URL to the site that I subscribe to which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's it. James asks, do you often use alternate icons for apps on iOS or do you stick with the default ones? If an app has a a picker, I will usually choose something. Yeah. And then I generally just leave it there forever after that. I'll always take a look, right? And like most of the apps that I like the most, I, I've chosen something uh, custom for it just because yeah, they're fun. It's usually... For me, it's usually a color. Like I've, I've chosen a bunch of orange ones. 
Yep. But um, yeah, I'll I'll give it a shot. I don't change them at all. But if if a if an I, mean, I don't do the thing where you make a shortcut and have a custom icon. I don't do it. No. Anymore. But I but I do if the app lets me pick, I will choose. And and I'll do some of them if, if it's a, they've got like a six colors uh, rainbow apple yep. thing. I'll do that because on brand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do that in some. So I yeah, a, lot a little bit of six color ones because they look good. Yeah. Like I used yeah, to pick do. calc one that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the purple slack icon, which is the only good one in my opinion. Um which a lot of people don't know that there is an icon picker in Slack. Oh, yeah. It's not great, but like you only get three options. <laughs> I use that too because it, it's harder to think that it's the Photos app. Yep. The white one is is not great on the iPhone because no. it looks like so many other apps that yes. are just, just white with all the primary colors. Yeah, I, I use a few where I have the option to do so. But there are some apps that I wish had better options to say like uh, Todoist has a bunch of options, but I don't like any of them, so, ah. so I just use the default one. But I, I would like to change it, but I don't like the options that they give me. There's a fun piece of trivia in the Discord. James says the six-color PCALC icon is the most popular one. Hmm. That's fun. Love it. And Brock says, should Apple bring back the glowing logo on the lid of MacBooks? We've added, we've asked this, or we've answered this before. This has been asked oh, before, sure. it's been answered before, uh-huh. but I'll just say it again. Yes, Absolutely, Apple should. And if it takes more engineering or if they have to do like a custom LED on the back or whatever, like, yeah, they should. In fact, wouldn't it be amazing if it was a custom thing and you could control it separately? But uh, whatever reason, I, I'm sure there were some very good engineering reasons why it went away, but uh, they should absolutely bring it back. It was great. That's it. Like, that's the answer. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna <gasps> say no. So here, what you said about if it was customizable in some way, maybe like if you could do something fun with it. But like if it's just gonna glow white, no, I prefer my color matched midnight Apple logo than uh, if it was lit up. Oh no! So it this is so like good. what they should do instead oh, is more colors, mm. right? Because then you okay. can get a yellow one or an orange one. And they're matched. Like, you don't need it to light up. Oh, you know? I like it when it glows, though. It just is so pretty. No, that's old school thinking. Right there, so, no, it's so pretty. It's new. It's so old, it's new again. Because oh, in the reckon, dark, no one knows you're using a MacBook. In the dark, no one that? knows. Like, I don't want that. I don't you gotta, want that. You got to send out a beacon. Like, here it is, the Apple logo. If you would like to send in a question for us to answer and ask upgrade you can go to upgradefeedback.com you can also send us in your follow-up and your general feedback for the show there you can check out jason's writing over at sixcolors.com and hear his podcasts at theincomparable.com and here on relay fm you can listen to my shows here on relay fm and check out my work at cortexbrand.com we're on mastodon you can find jason as at jsnell on zeppelin.flights you can find me as at imike on mike.social and you can find the show on relayfm.social as at Upgrade. If you want to catch clips of this show, we are oh, at yeah. Upgrade Relay on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you to our members. Who <laughs> and also us. Wrigley Spearmint Gum. We're also Upgrade Relay on there. <laughs> Thank you to our members who support us with Upgrade Plus. Today on Upgrade Plus, you're gonna get, if you are a member, you're going to get to hear us talk about the results of our RSS Exploration Challenge. Go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up 
Thank you to our sponsors, Ladder, ZocDoc, and Factor for their support of the show. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Hurley.